What's up, my ATLians family? I'm ATL Joe, joined by Blake. The Marshman. The Marshman. Welcome back to our show. This is another exciting, exciting episode after that demolition derby. Coming back, 3-0 going to New York. Blake, we got a big week ahead of us. We're releasing early just for this very, very special conference finals. New Jersey. We're going to New Jersey. Blake, two. We're up 3-0. Couldn't get bigger than this. Let's get into it. Man, I am still so pumped from that game. And uh, I know all of our listeners are still super pumped. Quick, quick, quick plug. Five stars, five-star rating, five stripes, five stripes, hopefully heading to the MLS Cup. I couldn't be more pumped, Joe. I can't believe we're here. Episode number 42. This is nuts, man. And yeah, Blake, I had to go drag you out of the gulch personally just, just this morning just so you could make it here to record because you've, you've been partying it there since we won. Man, all I can say is hats off to the Atlanta United fans. Hats off to the fans that are still partying in the Gulch. I know some people that I talked to Sunday after the game said they were just going to keep partying all the way through Thursday. So respect to those people. I, I, had to, I had to bail out. Thanks for pulling me out of there. You would have been one of those people yeah, the, if it wasn't for ATL Joe. Thanks for pulling me out of there. But yeah, guys, we, we so appreciate all you guys listening and, and being with us all season. We can't believe we made it this far. I, I honestly, in my wildest hopes and dreams, didn't think we'd be here at the end of November talking about one game away from the MLS Cup. I mean, I believed it and like the passion, that side of me, I didn't necessarily think that we would be this far. And let's get right into it. Let's get into the news. And we're not going to really cover, normally we cover all around Atlanta. I think, considering the circumstance, Joe, we need to just focus on Atlanta United news. Let's keep it Atlanta United. Keep it big. (laughs) Speaking of big, yours truly hammered in the Golden Spike. Big boy! Big boy, dude. I was hoping for TI or Outcast. I got Outcast. I got big boy. I don't know if that's the last Golden Spike of the year. We were talking about this earlier. There's no telling because technically Atlanta United doesn't put the MLS Cup final on. It's run by the MLS. So we don't know if there's going to be, and this could be something for you guys to comment on social media if you guys have heard something or drop us a line, atlnsunited at gmail.com, shoot us an email. Like, are we going to be able to bring flags in? Is the supporter section going to be changed if we do make it to the Cup final? And we don't want to get ahead of ourselves. But that is some concern because a lot of people weren't able to get tickets due to MLS controlling the ticket sales. Oh, well, I was concerned when we were talking earlier. Big boy hammers in the spike now. If we make it that far, does Andre 3K come out and hammer in the golden spike next? One place would lose it. (laughs) Whole stadium. Let's talk about this. The TIFO before the game. Hats off to the supporters groups putting this on. This had to be the coolest TIFO all year long. Everyone, 70,000 plus. Supporting the team before the game. It was a beautiful sight, Joe. Everybody was in their seats before the game started. That's amazing. All the supporters groups sent out their messages, mass media telling you to get there 15 minutes earlier and 
and our fans didn't disappoint. Yeah. Again. Yeah. And I mean, we're, we're obviously an audio show, but you guys definitely got to get online. Check out pictures of that full stadium TIFO. Uh, Vamos was spelled out amongst the fans and gold, black, and red. Our colors were synchronized beautifully all around and Mercedes-Benz. And then the supporters Benz. section had ATL, and it's just really cool. People have done panorama shots around the stadium. It's amazing. Beautiful scenes, beautiful scenes, beautiful atmosphere. So not just to the supporters section, not just to the supporters groups, to all the fans that made it to Mercedes-Benz, thank you for making it an incredibly special night for our club, our team. I, I saw the team come out on the field right before the game, and a couple of them, I think it was LGP and Parky, were just looking around and smiling. They were blown away by the atmosphere. It was, it was special to be a part of, special to be in that stadium. Speaking of special, Joseph Martinez can we say enough about this guy? And it's kind of a broken record at this point. He breaks another MLS record. This was most goals scored in the regular season plus postseason, and he still potentially has two games. That's insane. This guy's this guy's out of his mind. Speaking of that, did you see his goal celebration? Yeah. Uh, some people said he <laughs> a little smoking Joe Seth uh, celebration. Fantastic. Also, get online and check that picture out if you guys didn't see Joseph Martinez's celebration. Normally a subdued guy, but he uh, he went crazy a couple times this oh, game. He, his ego is getting a little bit bigger and bigger. I liked it. They were they reported him after they interviewed him after the game, and he was quoted for saying, "I'm waiting for them to take the Falcon down and put one of me." So Joseph's already requesting a statue. Let's get that championship first, Joseph, and then I. I could entertain the idea, especially if the Falcons keep playing like they have been. Yeah, and, and if you stick around with us for another several years, we might be forced to put a statue of Joseph Martinez up. I mean, or at least one of his new goal celebration, Smoking Joseph. Let's talk about places to watch this game Thursday against the Red Bulls in New Jersey. I know we have a lot of fans traveling up to Jersey. Mad props to our supporters taking time off work, going up there to see our boys finish them. And I know a lot of the New Jersey supporters are not going to be going to the game. They're already deflated. They're counting themselves out, looking down on themselves. So there's plenty of tickets for sale. So we can go make a, a really good away stand with our fans there. Yeah. I mean, I know their fans are, are in pain, you know, but I think that we really can finish them off. But even, if even though they have some optimism out there. Yeah. If you're still in the city, I know Atlanta United is hosting a watch party at Atlantic Station. Uh, I think there's they're starting parking at 5 o'clock. Get out there. You can go ice skating before the game. You can go do some shopping, hit up the team store, get more swag, get some Christmas sweaters, and then go out and watch the game in their, in their whole section. It's going to be rowdy there, but... Other than that, you can go to all your usual Atlanta United bars. Brew House is a really good, popular one to go to. Uh, and, and all your other Atlanta United sports bars around the city. Yeah, shout out to Brew House. Shout out to all of the official pubs. I know there's several of them across the city. Honestly, anywhere that you guys can find communion with Atlanta United fans, I don't know if I'll be ice skating and Christmas sweater shopping before the game, Joe. Uh, but however you guys want to get ready for this game, get hyped. Have some fun with your friends. Have some fun with the fans because we're one game away from the cup, baby. Yeah, so don't get hurt. That's Blake's job to tell me who's hurting. Injury report. Injury. Injury. Injury report. Honestly, this is going to be my shortest injury report of the year. And once again... What a beautiful thing, because here we are, one game away from the Cup, 
And here's our two players that are on injury report. Romario Williams has been, honestly, in my opinion, subpar this season. He's out for the rest of the season. Hopefully, we don't need a backup striker anyways, because Joseph is on fire. Vijalba, Vijalba, Vijalba. And we still got Flying Tito. Flying down the wing. Now he's a striker. He's a striker. He's a striker. Subbing for Martinez. And he played there last year when Joseph was hurt. And Joseph actually missed a lot of last season. Tito stepped in that role beautifully. Okay, uh, one other thing to touch on. McCann, we thought he was hurt. He's not hurt because after Tito just scored the goal you were talking about, guess who the first guy to run up and hug him was? Um, Chris McCann. It was a wild McCann. A wild McCann appeared out of nowhere to hug him. I didn't even realize he was on the pitch. Apparently he's an Irish pirate. <laughs> he just came out. Maybe, I don't know. He just came out of nowhere. But he looked healthy on that goal celebration. Uh, yellow cards, we've talked about yellow card accumulation. Those are gone. Unless anyone gets a red card this game, it does not affect the cup final. So yellow card accumulation's gone. We're healthy. We're rolling in. We're up 3 nothing. I got nothing left to talk about injury or yellow card-wise. Let's recap this incredible night in the Benz. I could chant that all night, and I think I did at the game. That was amazing. 3 nothing win. You couldn't ask for anything better. I mean, I could ask for 4 nothing or 5 nothing, but at this point, Joe, considering our opponent and considering how we had played historically against Red Bulls, this is a team we had never beaten. You really couldn't have asked for a more perfect night. I'm going to have to say that that was the best game for Atlanta United of the season to this point. And we just keep getting better and better as the playoffs are advancing. So that, that's uh, that's kudos to Tata Martino getting our team ready. And kudos to all of our players being primed for the situation and not disappointing. Especially coming off, and I know we talked about it last episode, but it's been a little while. We had Thanksgiving. A lot of our players traveled internationally before this game. And, and I, I know we haven't hit on that yet, but that was an incredible recovery a lot of them made to be ready, like you were saying, primed and ready for this game. Yeah, Miguel Amaron on Tuesday was in South Africa, played a full 90 minutes, and he was still ready to go coming back here. Beautiful, beautiful. And so, that, I mean, that could have been the reason, uh, other than other things of not wanting them to get hurt, or any, Joseph and Miguel were subbed out within the with the 10 minutes or more to go yeah so that could have played a big factor in it joseph had a yellow card so they did not want to risk him getting a red card but both of them played significant minutes overseas and then came back so they were giving him rested for a thursday game on a shorter rest than usual yeah and a lot of people say joseph always gets you know pissed off or he hates being taken out of the game but uh, I know we were grabbing some food before this, and I showed you that video of when Tito scored. It was a really cool moment. Joseph, Miggy, and Garza, who had all been subbed out early, had this, this group hug on the bench after Tito scored. And I thought that was cool to see the camaraderie that still exists amongst our team. You know, even when you're taken out of the game, normally Joseph is ripping off his shin guards and whining. And, you know, he's just changed completely and he's really become a role model for this team. So just proud of the guy. Yeah. So there were three goals by Atlanta United. One scored by Joseph Martinez, the first one to start us off after Lorenowitz makes a wonderful assist in a trap down chest and then a left-footed finish to burn the keeper. Side netting. It was glorious. And then Escobar 
came in and made the second goal after Gresselmania gets it breaking down the wing and does his typical prototype Gresselmania assist where he cuts it back into space, a back cross into the looking for Joseph, who actually he wasn't looking for Joseph. And Escobar was on the back post in wide open space and just blasts it home. No one thought about picking up Escobar for that goal. And he hits it with his weak foot. And he, he like bends it near post. That was beautiful. Like I didn't know Escobar had that. I, I mean, I'm a righty, right foot dominant. I can't I can't hit my left foot like that. That's a fantastic weak foot finish. I, I, think, I just want to point that out. That was a yeah, fantastic goal. I don't even think Escobar knew he had that good of a left foot. <laughs> yeah, I didn't see him hit a ball like that with his strong foot all year. Yeah, so he might he might have found a new weapon and that he was actually been left footed his whole life. Yeah, maybe his parents lied to him or something went on. I don't really know much about his childhood. Yeah, and then the third goal came from Tito Vizjalba coming in as a sub after he had already had two wonderful shots. One hit the post. One got saved, and the third one was magic. He was so devastated after that shot hit the post. I don't know if you watched the replay or some of his facial expressions because this is a guy that kind of got, and talking about Tito, he kind of got forced out of our starting 11 as the season progressed. He battled some injuries, crucial player for us last year. The emergence of Gresselmania as a week-in, week-out starter this year, I think pushed Tito out of the starting 11. So there was a lot of pent-up emotion and you could just see it on his face when that second goal went in. A couple cameras even caught him crying when he when he scored. I'm sorry, the third goal went in. Uh, just just a very emotional, overwhelming moment for Tito. And you could see the frustration building up after he hit the post and he got uh, he shot and got saved. He was very furious and he looked like he was cursing the soccer gods, and, or maybe he was making a sacrifice to the soccer gods because it paid to him later and he got the goal. And honestly, I could not be happier for the guy. And I think he still has a huge part to play in this season and the future of Atlanta United. Like, you know, there's a lot of things in the air for next year. I haven't heard any rumors about Tito. And I think that this is a huge talent. Just actually switched, you know, his nationality from, uh, in soccer terms, he switched his nationality to the Paraguayan team. So he's going to be playing with Miguel Almiron for the foreseeable future in international soccer. And I think the best of Tito is still yet to come. That's kind of a hot take, but I don't think we've seen peak Tito Vijaba yet, and, and that excites me. That's mouth-watering words because he, in my opinion, has been great for us. I know he's a polarizing figure on social media. Some people love him, some people hate him, but I, I'm one of the ones that loves him. Uh, but I want to pick a man of the match for this game. And there are so many to choose from because top to bottom, I think we played our most complete game. And you can choose one of several players, maybe even one of each 11 plus subs to be man of the match. Truly. But Franco Escobar was exceptional. Yeah. He played the game of his life. And he was there all night long. Second half, he got his goal and he got an assist. But he was all over the field. And it, the buildup in that first half really led to where he got his goal and assist. And he was playing a very, very important position where him and Garza were both the wingbacks. But they weren't wingbacks. They were just straight-up wingers playing all the way forward and all the way back. Had huge responsibility. And he showed up this game. Let's talk about one thing, and, and I, I totally agree with you, but was this not just the man of the match, or was this like the match of Escobar's season? Because I know we've talked about how this was the best match for our team. I have never seen 
And it's not just because he got the goal. I've never seen Franco Escobar play this well. I, I don't know what, he, what he's been doing or what he's been working on, but I've never seen him play this well. This is for sure his best game of the season. I've seen him having these highlights he hasn't put it all together like he hasn't been scoring good goals because he's been shanking them he hasn't had good shots but he's a guy that wins 50 50 balls in the air he yeah. goes up for those headers and plays solid defense and he is a threat on attack but he never put it together to actually complete the threat but let me go through his first half about some of the things that he did that stood out to me Early in the game, he won a 50-50 ball to win the ball back, headed it to Jeff Lorenowitz. If you guys remember the the shot that Larry had that blasted over the goal, Mm -hmm. one of the first shots of the game, that was all set up by Franco. Yeah. Uh, And then a little bit later, he had a 1-2 with Rometty on the sideline where he passed it to Rometty. Rometty passed it back to him, and it was actually a 1-2-3 because he did a – Cheeky little back heel flick to Rometty. Yeah. Opened up Rometty, who got slit tackle. No foul called on that play, and it kind of killed the play. But that was all fun plays down the sideline, creating and, and being great. Um, there was another play. He wins a 50-50 ball in the midfield and starts a counter. Sends a wonderful cross into Joseph, but then Aaron Long came out of nowhere and heads it away from Joseph. Steps in front of him to, to defend that. Defend it very well. Uh, and then a little bit later on defense, Royer had the ball in the corner and, and Escobar just comes up and outmans him and takes it away and starts another counter. Uh, and then finally, later in the in the half, Gresselmania picks out Escobar down the sideline from our own end, kicks it past midfield, and Escobar outruns the defender who had five steps on him. He outruns him, gets the ball, Sends in a cross to Miguel, who was wide open, and again, Aaron Long steps in and, and blocks the ball. So, good defense again, but he was all over the pitch in that first half. And it's just tremendous to see, because this is a guy that is very versatile as well on that back line. We've seen him in when we were playing three center backs. We saw him at center back. He can play wide right back, and, and he almost played a, a wing back position. He was getting so forward this game. Again, we stuck with four at the back, but one thing I'm taking away is these 50-50 balls, that's that's the kind of aggression we're going to need. And who knows what Escobar's future with our club is. And while I'm just kind of talking big picture, you know, we might have a center back opening fairly soon. Parkhurst is getting up there in years. And his, his power and his ability to go up and win these 50-50 balls, if you will. And, and, you know, for our listeners that are fairly new to the sport, we're talking about a ball that, honestly, it's it's thrown up in the air, it's bouncing straight up, and whoever wants it more is going to go get it. Whoever wants that ball more. Yeah. And Escobar showed that he wanted the ball more this game, and I thought that was just tremendous to see that aggression. That's what you want in a defender. Yeah, and so that all builds up. And then, he, of course, the second half was a storybook, and he got his goal. He's the one that got the assist to Tito Vijalba after he neatly juked a guy, yeah. gave him a little one-two touch, and then passed it to Tito, who who did the rest. Um, and he, he just kept playing well all game long. Let's talk about one thing, Joe, while we're just before we move on from this game. And I don't want to move on from this game because it was so great. Red Bulls did have a goal taken back from VAR. The uh, much maligned, much talked about, much praised incredibly controversial system that is VAR strikes in the playoffs and this time it is for us uh, Guzan apparently called for this to be reviewed but uh, Alex Mule was he was blocking the division the of Brad Guzan 
when was it who scored their goal that didn't count? Was that BWP? Bradley Wright Phillips? Who else? Who always <laughs> scores for the Red Bulls? Watch out for BWP. He's going to come out hot on Thursday night. We'll get to that more in the preview. But for the first time this season, besides you know their goal getting taken back in the first half, the Rebels had zero possessions start in the in the attacking third. And they averaged like a league high. We looked up these stats, uh, our fantastic producers, six plus possessions in the first half normally, and they had zero. They, they dropped away from their normal press, and we can talk about this obviously more tactically speaking. They really sat back, and we held 62% possession in the first half. And against Rebels, no one had done that all year. We just dominated the ball. We dominated the game. And it really dictated how the second half went for him. Yeah, and like you mentioned, the VAR. Do you have any opinion on if that was a good call, bad call, or indifferent? Man, I, I'm still, I'm still so on the fence about if this is good for the game. On one hand, I say, okay, you know, the goal, the guy didn't touch the ball. It's debatable whether Brad could see the ball or not. Like, there's no proof that he actually blocked Brad's vision. Now. Where he was standing was in an offside position. We had a similar goal called back this year with Joseph standing in an offside position. I believe it was Nagby that put it in the net. It was. And Nagby still doesn't have a goal. And that was Sean Johnson who actually touched Joseph Martinez and he couldn't make the save. So, again, I feel like by the end of the season, you hope that the pendulum balances out. Right? I mean, I felt like we had a lot of VAR calls go against us at points this season. Obviously, in our previous matchup we had a goal called back due to var miggy's uh bounce shot against nycfc if you remember back to that mm-hmm. game so i feel like of the uh, law of averages this this kind of landed in the middle i don't think atlanta united got extremely punished or or screwed if you will by var this year but i still just don't know what i think about it if it's if it's if that goal goes in who knows what we're talking about right now be a completely different scenario coming to new york but the fact is that they got the call and they went to VAR, and I do think the ref made the right decision by the letter of the law. So he he and and the fact that he went to the video box, he only saw one replay of it, and he was settled, sold, and he went back and called the as he did. I I mean he seemed like I needed one look, and it's not a goal. So thanks, ref. I guess we agree. Moving on. Yeah, and, and overall with the refs, though, I think they've been doing a, a fabulous job during the MLS playoffs. They've even been, Geiger? Even Geiger? Even Geiger. Yeah, I agree. I thought, he, I thought he refed a great game. They've all been letting them play, and they've been calling a, a, a softer game, not as much fouls. That way, no players are getting suspended later, and, and I think it's working out well. Man, that was a beautiful night at Mercedes-Benz, and, and thank you once again to all the fans it was a it was a blast. There were some there's some showers raining down all night long, and then there was raining after the game. Didn't stop anyone. Which Blake? I need a beer. Beer of the week. Every week, especially this week, I need it this week. I'm still uh, still trying to keep it rolling all the way to Thursday. We got one of our favorite breweries called Arches. I love Arches. We're bringing you. Queen's Vice this week because Vice we're going to the Queen City. Going no wait, in that in that Charlotte, don't they call Charlotte the Queen City? Ah, well I, I was doing Queens because that's in New York, and now it doesn't oh, yeah. make any sense. Queens is in New York, but but we're going to New Jersey. What's in Jersey? Let's spike it home. A T L. 
Anyways, this is from Hapeville, which is uh, South Atlanta. Hape, 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 Hape. This is a beautiful spot to go out on a sunny day. I've only been to this brewery once. The day that I went, they did a crawfish boil. Fantastic. They had this giant tent, all these crawfish. If you guys are, you know, anti-crawfish, uh, I guess cruelty, I apologize if we have any vegan listeners, vegetarian listeners, but it was delicious. I love crawfish. I guess they had potatoes and corn there, but if you're a vegetarian, do you eat stuff that's cooked with meat? I've always wondered that. No. Like, so the potatoes and corn, they're contaminated. Like I can't. Contaminated. Gosh, man. I, I know it'd probably it's be healthy. I know it'd probably be healthy for me. I just can't do it no but uh you want to know what this, you want to know what this beer tastes like oh yeah i should probably try it out tastes like a win hey tastes like victory this beer tastes like a conference championship i mean it says that this is a simple beer that's been a choice of german royalty and when i think of german royalty i think of gresselmania does it None get other. more royal than than gresselmania continuing to perform our, our german army knife love that guy i feel like he would enjoy a queen's vice maybe after the season's over and he doesn't have to be like in super good shape we could we could go get a beer down in hapeville with gresselmania so after we win one nothing on the back of a gresselmania goal we'll go drink a beer of queen's vice with one and only gresselmania uh, maybe on december 9th after we win the cup maybe he'll drink a hefeweizen out of the cup okay i'm getting too ahead of myself this is a great beer we got a preview this thursday night coming up in jazzy Three nothing advantage, Joe. What going, do we got? We're going into this with one of the best advantages we could have come out of that first leg. It could have been two one. It could have been two nothing. It could have been all sorts of 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 effects. But we score a third goal in the ninety plus five. And how how much of an advantage this is? They have to beat us four nothing to flat out advance. If we score one goal, they've got to beat us. By scoring five. Yeah, this is something we talked about. We could lose this game four to one and advance to the final. Now, that's not something I want to do, obviously. But, I mean, and I don't know how I'd feel walking away from that game if we lose four to one against the Red Bulls. But at the end of the day, if we lose four to one, we're going to the ship, baby. If we lose five to two... We're going to the ship. We're going to the ship. We can score three goals, then they have to score seven. We've already scored three goals against them. No one's ever scored seven goals against us. Yeah, I, I think I think we're in a great position. But once again, three nothing, and and we're going to extra time, and then it's anybody's game. And we do know this. It's it's <laughs> this has happened earlier in the MLS playoff season. It happened between Seattle and Portland. The away goal rule goes out once you hit extra time. Yes. So, in theory, if they win 3-0, then we are essentially starting from scratch, and we're going to have two 15-minute mini-halves, Yeah. and then a PK shootout. I don't want to get to that point. Nobody wants to get to that point. And this team is capable. It's capable. I'm not saying it could happen. I'm not saying it will happen. I'm just saying Red Bulls has the players and they have the potential to win 3-0. Yeah. And, we, and we do not need to underestimate these You're guys. You're talking about the team that scored the most points in MLS history. 
and this be, team and beat, beat us to the supporters beat shield. us out of the supporters shield i mean it, it is a very very good team that is how impressive our three nothing win is and i want to do a little recap of our season i was wondering how many teams have scored more than three goals on us all year long and uh there's also how many teams have shut us out throughout the year because both those things would pretty much have to happen for them to get past us that's what we're looking at and so the shutouts first our very first game that blake often refers to as still preseason it was houston beat us four nothing i was there and then we woke up and went on a nine game unbeaten streak can confirm it was preseason and then after that nine game unbeaten streak sporting kansas city a team who just tied portland on the other side of the bracket who might very well be in the championship they beat us two nothing at mercedes-benz of course we were playing shorthanded that game but it was still another shutout yeah brad decided to remove himself from the game and then if you want to reach into a, a cup uh, we lost one nothing to chicago fire but we were playing seven guys that don't normally start yeah, Romario Williams started that uh, game. That's enough said. Five of those guys aren't even on the MLS Cup roster. And then the Red Bulls, towards the end of the season, they're a team that shut us out 2 nothing. So they have done it before. But a 2 nothing would still put Atlanta United into the finals. So, uh, <laughs> and again, how many, how many times total did we play the Red Bulls this season? This, that was our third this past game. And they beat us the first two times. One of which, there were red cards given, so it was a, a asterisk on that game. The other one, they beat us fair and square in New York. And then we came up, beat them fair and square, and put a, a stomp on them going 3 nothing. Yeah, I, I just, man, they just scare me in Jersey. I remember it was a, uh, a sunny Sunday last time we went up to New Jersey, and we had the Supportive Shield in our sights, and we just came out so flat. And I, I, I expect much better from our players this time around. I really do. And I know they remember that game as well. Yeah, and so those are all the shutouts that I just mentioned. And I, I want to go back and say how many times have teams scored three or more against us. And, and it's happened a handful of times, but the max amount scored was 4 nothing, which was Houston. Preseason. Preseason. <laughs> Toronto, uh, the very last game of the season, scored four. We scored one. And then there was a mixed handful of bags. Red Bulls won 3-1. Dallas came back and scored two against us in the 90th minute to win 3-2. D.C. United won 3-1. And San Jose, one of the worst teams in the league, scored three on us, but we happened to score four on them, 4-3. That was was the game that went on to like 3 in the morning. And they had a goal called back, which resulted in a penalty for us. That was still the craziest game I've watched as an Atlanta United fan. Man, some of these games are bringing back bad memories. I don't know if I like this exercise. Yeah, I don't like it either, but <laughs> I had to go through it to show you My that. My 4th of July got ruined by Dallas. Now I'm like reliving that. We were What were we up? Like 2-1 to one in that game, and yeah. they scored two late goals to ruin Independence Day. And Then we went on to go tie New York City and then win against Columbus, and it turned out to be really, really well. Um, but after all those bad memories, uh, one thing that I want to kind of br- bring up. So these are all games that are kind of training us for what we're to expect. Well, another game that may train us what to expect is the game we played up in the cold in Minnesota. It, I, this was way back early in the season, but a cold weather game, much like it's going to be in New York. And then at the same time, we were up one nothing, and LGP gets a red card early in the first half, and we had to play the entire game man down, trying to hold on to that one nothing lead. And they were just 
shot after shot after shot on us. And we bunkered down, held on to that lead. That might be the best model of success where we're playing man down against a cold weather team and we still held on of a little model of how we can play with one extra man against yeah. New York. Yeah, hopefully we'll keep all of our men on the pitch. I've got a little weather report going for us, Joe, because we are previewing this game. We're talking cold weather. It's going to be about 39 degrees, I think, around kickoff with a low of 36. Humidity is sitting right around 50%. Uh, wind 17 miles per hour coming out of the uh, the northwest. Yeah, that's... I have no idea which direction the wind's coming from. I added that in. I don't think it's early enough to tell which direction the wind's going to be blowing. Did you put that setting on FIFA of wind blowing 17 miles per hour? Uh, man, I don't know if that, that setting's in yet, but we should, we should add it in for FIFA 20. But I, I think that this is going to be honestly pretty good conditions it's raining in jersey over the weekend and it's been even colder tuesday and wednesday so leading into thursday i think we're gonna get it's supposed to be mostly sunny partly cloudy i think we should get some good weather their field is regulation it's not like the other new york team so i don't think we're gonna have any excuses based on the like weather or the facilities, I definitely agree with you. We're going to have to have that bunker down mentality that we had against Minnesota. I just don't want to see us completely back into a shell because I think we're going to have some great counterattacking opportunities. Well, Blake, this is a perfect time to jump into Tata's tactics. Let's jump right in. Just yeah. Dive in. Well, the formation is a great place to start. Yeah. And the formation that we came out with this past week, I thought was wonderful. And it was a 3-5-2, but it was a very fluid, alternating 3-5-2 formation. See, I feel like it was more like four at the back. You had three. It, defi- w- it, was, it was a weird one. It definitely was. It was weird, but I, I want to break down what I saw when I was watching the game. You had three defenders of LGP, Larry, and Parkhurst. And then right on top of them, you had Remedy just sitting right there as a defensive midfield, almost as a stopper. And then you had your two wingbacks, who I'm going to consider wingers, as the midfield in that 3-5-2. Yeah. But what they also did as an advantage, you had three defenders, and they stood right beside Remedy at times to make another line of three defenders. So you could have six in the back. But they pushed up so high to go with a trifecta of shuffling free-floating midfielders, being Miguel Amaron as your attacking, floating everywhere midfielder. And then right behind him was Nagby and Grasselmania, who really shifted back and forth kind of all over the pitch. And they were free-roaming. Free and yeah. Miggy sometimes moved up to be that secondary striker right behind one and only Joseph Martinez. Yeah, and I mean, what's interesting, and I, I kind of agree with you, but what's interesting is when the official you know, team release of the starting lineup, it, it was a 4-3-3, which is what it looked like I thought we were going to line up with. I agree that most of the time we had a center back you know, kind of split out wide, and we had a midfielder dropping in to like a third center back position, allowing Garza and Escobar to push really high up those flanks, like what you were saying. But uh, technically, we brought kind of a three-man midfield of Remedy, Lorenowitz, and Nagby were those guys that were kind of staying central. And then Gressel and Almiron, I felt like were just free-roaming. Like, they, they were technically on the on the starting lineup. Almiron was on the left wing. Gressel was on the right wing. They didn't. Neither one of them played a winger position. 
they kind of floated into like a central attacking midfielder and allowed, you know, whether it was Larry or Remedy dropping in back, it was a free-flowing, you could call it three at the back, you could call it four at the back. What it really was was, it was a beautiful formation. It was a kaleidoscope of Atlanta United players just going all sorts of directions. And every time you twist it, you get players in different formations. And and it worked wonders. Fluid is a great term. It was pass and move, pass and move. And, and it was great to watch our team dominate possession most of this game. And I just want to hit on one thing, because we're talking about Tata. We're talking about the mind of Tata, Tata's tactics. If you're Tata before this game, we're up 3 nothing. You know what? I hate, I hate to bring up the past. The past is always irrelevant. How you prepare from after, you know, you hit those low points, whether it's in sports or in life, is what determines the future. You don't have to dwell on it. But I would bring up the fact that when we have been in pressure situations so far this season, we have not come out and performed up to our potential. And we came out this last game. And I felt like because it was two legs and because we were at home, because it was so hype, our players came out and were able to play freely. And I think that ties into our formation, playing fluidly, playing freely. And you mentioned Minnesota and how we bunkered down. I would just be careful. We don't need to bunker down too much. I think we need to stay true to who we are, pass the ball freely, move around. And, and I think if we nab a goal early... It's lights out. It's lights out, baby. We go up. That's 4 nothing on aggregate. If we can get the first goal, this this tie is over. Yeah, and I, I like what you're saying there. So tactically, I think Tata should come out with the same exact formation that we played so well in. And if we put those same players out there, I don't see this game getting out of hand. It's almost impossible. But then there's a secret weapon or two that we have on the bench. I really want to break down that we have Tito Vajalba and Ezekiel Barco coming off as subs, or some might say super subs of sort. And I, th- I really like the dynamics of bringing those two guys off the bench and the fact that we have that firepower coming off the bench to maybe change it up a bit. And let's start with Tito Vajalba, one of my favorite players on the team. And he's a guy that we saw him come in for Joseph Martinez. Well, he might not be the guy to come in for Joseph this game, but you can put him at so many different positions. We can bring him in for Miguel Amaron as a second striker or Gressel or one of the wingers. We can bring him in for Nagby and kind of move Gressel back. And he, he, he is his own Swiss Army knife. And then on the same point, Ezekiel Barco can do almost all the same and bring him in for all the midfield players and keep him as a possession guy. And those two guys on the bench, being able to bring him in at any point in time with the starters that we had this past game, gives us so many weapons. I, I, cannot, I cannot tell you how long I feel like we've waited to have a full bench, a full starting lineup. We feel confident in, and we got threats off the bench. I mean, we got threats all over the place. We could bring in whatever you want in terms of weapons. We can bring in Barco, like a possession guy, can cut in, hopefully create some chances. Tito, speed, and finishing ability. And we also got some other great utility players that we could bring in if the time needs. Like, say we need a free kick specialist. We got Kevin Kratz on the bench. Say we need someone to come in and hold down the back line. Maybe not a speed guy at left back, but we can bring Chris McCann in. And so that's a lot of experience back there. I just am so pumped. And I think 
going back to my my previous point, not that we choked in pressure situations. I'd say we kind of choked a little bit. I think we choked away the supporter shield. And again, I don't want to live in the past. I think we had some opportunities. We had an opportunity at New York, Red Bulls in New Jersey earlier. We lost two to nothing on that sunny Sunday I talked about. We had a chance in Toronto to seal the whole thing. We lost four to one at Toronto. I do not think at either of those points we were 100% healthy, and I don't think we had what you just talked about, these kind of options coming from the bench. And I think that's the X factor. I think that's why this game, we're going to go out, we're going to take care of business, and uh, we're going to finish them. Yeah, and one guy, another guy you mentioned, uh, if we get injured in the back line, one of our two defenders, God forbid, has to go out. Miles Robinson has played very well in his limited time during this entire season very and true. playoffs. Very true. So there's another weapon we have, and we've got a complete team with only two guys injured that are our regular starting 18. So this is this is very mouthwatering. I know everybody is salivating to watch this game, see if we can pull out our 3 nothing lead. And do not pull in Atlanta. Yeah, we're not even going to mention the entire city's history of big sporting events coming down to the wire where a championship's on the line. We would never, we would never do that. But I will tell you this, that it is in the back of the mind of every Atlanta fan, and I'm not going to talk about what I'm, what I'm referring to specifically. Don't say it. But, but we got to prove... We got to prove some things wrong. We got to prove some things wrong. This city is not a bad sports town. It is it is a city of people from all over the world and this this club has united those people from all over the world. There's people that have grown up in Atlanta, been here their whole life. This city is a united sports town. And it's united around this team. And I think that's what we have to focus on. This team is unlike any other Atlanta sports team in the history of Atlanta sports. The whole city's behind them. We're behind them. And, and all we can say to our listeners is is we are behind you guys and we know you guys are behind the club. And and so it's just such, it's been so much fun to cover this club all season long. I'm getting a little emotional because we are kind of coming up to this, this crescendo, this pinnacle of, wow, we're one game away from the MLS Cup, Joe. And if we win and this game, sink in. if we win this, this second leg, the Cup is coming to Atlanta. We host the MLS Cup final, and it's going to be amazing. And all you listeners and other fans who haven't listened to the show just yet that are going to make the trip to New York, I am so proud of you, a little envious of you. Much respect. They are able to to spend your time and money to get up to New York to cheer our team on and be able to watch them bring home an Eastern Conference finalist trophy. That is so amazing. But if not, you guys can go out to Atlantic Station or go to any place around the city because Atlanta has picked up your soccer team, your football team, and they have embraced them as one of their own. Yeah, and and who knows? Because we've been a little tentative this episode, and we'll admit that to our listeners. We don't want to get ahead of ourselves. No matter what happens this game, we're coming back to you guys. We'll be releasing next week hopefully previewing a cup final, but we have been just a little tentative. We're confident, cautiously optimistic, are you ne- Are you nervous? Man, I'm always nervous. I'm always nervous. I've been nervous since the game started on I- Sunday. I've got a little bit of an air of confidence after that 3 nothing win. Yeah, you guys... And we can watch this, this game, and right afterwards you can watch 
the the Western Conference Finals that has Sporting Kansas City up against Portland, who went to a 0-0 draw, which I'm so glad we did not have to watch a 0-0 draw. Two great teams, and it's all coming down to the wire. Two two great fan bases as well. Uh, that game's going to be in Kansas City. So you guys, we got a lot of fun soccer on the way. Thursday night, no matter where you guys are watching, like Joe said, whether it's Atlantic Station or up in Jersey, I know I'm going to hear our fans on the TV. I expect to hear We Are The A pumping through my speakers on whatever TV I'm watching, maybe at Brew House. All right, ATLians, it's been great. And I'm going to drink another beer to you, and I'm going to keep drinking until Thursday's game. That is not advisable by the uh, Surgeon General. Thanks, guys. I'd do it anyways.